Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 338, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we will do our best to dazzle and entertain you with some news and some thoughts and some notes from the Cowboys as they are about to really officially embark into the offseason as Mike McCarthy has his end-of-the-year press conference today. Got some notes, and we'll have some thoughts on the conference title games. Super Bowl matchup, we'll know after the weekend. But before we get into everything, I keep praising a man because they deserve it. The attorneys, Robert Greening and his team at Greening Law. He calls them the Green Team, and they go to work for you. If you've been hurt in a car accident, injured on the premises of a business, the most confusing thing is what do I do when nothing was my fault, I've got these medical bills to pay. How do I handle this? That's why you bring in the green team. The consultation is absolutely free. They don't get paid unless you get compensated. And the way they go to work for you, I, 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 and I've said this in the recent episodes of talking about them, I, I just do not have any idea how a normal human being could go about <laughs> doing this. I really don't. Like You need somebody like this to go to bat for you. Dude, the, the thing about it is, and, and what Matt has told you guys for a long time, is that when you're going through this process, it's a complicated process. It's also a tedious process. And as you go through it, who doesn't want somebody riding with you going, yo, watch out for this left turn. Hey, there's a little cliff right here, so make sure you take a little jump. I mean, who doesn't want that? Don't we all buy the strategy guide when we're trying to beat some game on, uh, on the Xbox or the PlayStation? Yeah. Why? Because you need somebody to ride with you. That's what the green team does. So if you're involved in a situation like Matt, just pick up the phone and give him a call. 972-934-8900. Doesn't cost you anything. They don't get paid unless you get paid. It's the easiest call ever to make. And again, you because what you're doing is, well, I don't know if I have a case. Cool. It's free. They'll let you know. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So the Cowboys, before they got to the end of the year press conference thing that Mike McCarthy is going to do, I think everybody at this point is probably aware they decided to, whether you want to use the term firing or not, they did not renew the contracts. 
as the contracts were up on a handful of coaches. And those coaches were, I guess, interesting in a way because of who they were in, in some regards. One of them was a guy who's basically Mike McCarthy's right-hand man. And yeah. they decided to let him go. I also thought it was interesting that Joe Philbin is gone. Right. Skip Pete is gone. That's not that's doesn't surprise me. George Edwards, Leon Lett, Kyle Valero, and then Rob Davis. George Edwards surprised me a little bit. Like Michael Parsons obviously loves him. Your defense was outstanding this year. He's a well respected coach. Where's the disconnect? You know, Joe Philbin's interesting because he worked with him with the Packers and was really good. So, and then you look at the offensive line, you go, he seemed to have done a solid job in terms of getting guys to play other positions. Are we going to give him any credit for Tyler Smith or are we just going to give it to Jason Peters? I'm just asking. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give him the credit for Terrence Steele? I'm just asking because we all thought Terrence Steele sucked a couple years ago. Did he yeah. coach himself? And then let's be real, man. At least I think we thought Beatish stunk too. And he seems to be like a four-year guy that you move on from. Yeah. But he's going to end up starting like three years. And if you take that from a fourth-round pick, I got to tell you, you'll take that. Um, so my whole point is, what did Joe Philbin do to get fired? Was it are we blaming him for the running game at the end of the year? That could be the case if, if it goes like that. Uh, and then there's my man Leon Lett, who seems like he's been around for a decade, if not longer, survived several coaches. Yeah. Uh, and maybe maybe McCarthy was like, fine, if you want to take one of mine, you got to get rid of one of yours. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> uh, but let me tell you something, bro. And I probably need to call one of my boys and maybe give him a – I'm not going to give him an apology, but I might say, yeah, you know, man, I, I give you a hard time, but you might have had a point in that. Here's the deal, bro. Somebody put on Twitter earlier today, and they were like, Oh, the Cowboys, I see who the fall guys were for the Cowboys. And I hit them back, and I was like, bruh, ain't none of these people fall guys because ain't none of these people in charge of nothing. Yeah. You can only be a fall guy on a 12-5 and five team. And tell me what you think, Matt. If you are the, <laughs> don't laugh at this, Matt, general manager. <laughs> okay, I laughed, so you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it works like that on a normal team. Obviously, the general manager for the Dallas Cowboys is not going to ever be the fall guy. You're the head coach, so you get fired. Or you're one of the offensive or defensive coordinators, and you get fired. If you're not one of those three people, you're not really a fall guy because you weren't really in charge of anything. Yes, you had something to do with it. You contributed, blah, 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 blah. But when it came down to the final decision-making, you weren't one of those people, and so you can't really be a fall guy. Yeah, I would have to completely it's, agree with you, yes. It's like making a board op the fall guy because your radio show didn't work. Hey, we're going to yeah. swap out the board op, board op and we're going to keep both both talents and a producer. Okay, y'all ain't really changed shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. And it, it, I was kind of curious because a couple of weeks ago, especially you, of, of the thought that maybe the Cowboys would bring Zeke back at a really cheap price and we talked about it with Todd Archer on our last podcast and it becomes do you just not offer the guy anything you cut him and, and you don't want to insult him so there's no offer with them moving on from Skip Pete is is that a sign that perhaps they're just done with Zeke now that's a very perceptive thought and that's a very perceptive look uh, because and here's how it works 
you can hire Jacques Taylor to be the next running backs coach. And then you can tell Zeke, duh. Uh, you get your best Jerry imitation. And it just goes, you know, Zeke, we really wanted to keep you. We admire everything you've you've done for the organization. But we got this new running backs coach in, and he wants a guy who can do this, this, and this. And as good as you are, you do A, B, and C, and he really wants D, E, and F. So we're going to let you go right now, so you got plenty of time to find that perfect spot for you. Uh, wish we could do something, man, but this new coach that Mike brought in, he just wants this this type of player. And so it's not my fault, and you can't really get mad at me. Yeah, because when I saw that name – I mean, that was really kind of the one that I thought, man, I wonder if that just means that they're they're done with Zeke and, and they're just going to completely move on in, in whatever form or fashion or however that makes yeah. sense that yeah, this is I the end of the road for him. I think that I think that's real perceptive, man. And you could also you could also for real throw the, the offensive line coach in there because yeah. you can in a sense that, yeah, for now, Kellen Moore is running the offense. But you can always say, hey, we got a new running backs coach. Uh, and we got a new offensive line coach, and there's they got a symbiotic relationship, and they want to go this way with the running game, which is an A route, and you're really a B route running back, and so it's not going to be a good fit for you, and so we're going to let you go so you can find the best fit possible for you. Yeah, it, it's there's some moving pieces that are going to be interesting to see how it plays out this offseason. No, nah, that was uh, I hadn't really thought about it that way, so. You know that was a that was a real insightful thought. We don't know if it goes that way, but yeah. that way would certainly make sense. And I'm telling you, man, the name that jumped off at me was Rob Davis mm. because that's supposed to be his boy. I ain't gonna never fire my boy. Fuck y'all! I'll quit before I fire my boy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you fire your boy, it leads me to the question: Was he really your boy, or did they? Even though you had this great season, twelve and five or whatever, did they apply some pressure and be like? Things got to change, man. Or did the Cowboys just being cheap Cowboys go? Now tell me again, Mike. Why are we paying this guy? Pick a number: four hundred fifty thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Why are we doing this again? Well, he, you know, yeah, he's my boy. I ride to the game with him. I bounce stuff off of him. Okay, we're gonna give you a calling card, or we're gonna buy you a cell phone, and you use make that his Rob Davis cell phone. But we ain't finna pay him five, six hundred thousand dollars a year no more, though. Yeah. Because he ain't doing nothing. Like, what does he do? Seriously, what does he do? I have no idea. I, I, you... Now, now, check this out. I know a guy, I know I know a coach, is a former college coach, one of my, one of my boys from way back. And when he, got to, when he got to be a head coach, he had a guy, and he wasn't the assistant head coach. He called him... Uh, some kind of chief of staff role. It wasn't football operator, but something. And what happens was this was a guy who if he said, you know, Coach Taylor said, and you were that guy, he'd be like, Matt, uh, go down there and tell Archer I'm not putting up with this bullshit no more. Uh, because the guy who was, who was that Matt guy was a lot more confrontational and he could do, he could have the he could have tough conversations that the other guy didn't want to have. Yeah. Because of his personality. And so maybe he fills that kind of role. Or you know, he's gotta do something. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I've known one or two coaches like that who had a guy, I don't really feel like telling you know, I don't want to be the bad. It's like the parents, man. Um, you and I have both experienced this. You'd always at one point in pulling out discipline. 
And so your yeah. kid starts to, I mean, they still love you and all this, but they go, oh, okay, his dad about to drop the hammer again. Well, sometimes you don't like, you'd be like, why well, I always got to be the bad guy? I need somebody else to be the bad guy sometimes. I do it sometimes, but damn, can somebody else do it sometimes? And so maybe maybe Davis is the bad guy sometimes. Next time we have Archer, Clarence, down, we'll ask him, what exactly does Rob Davis do? Yeah, it's a good question to ask and find out exactly what it is because he won't be doing it anymore for the Cowboys. No, and, and again, the only reason we're talking about because we ain't talked about him ever, is he was sold as kind of McCarthy's boy. And you just don't get rid of your boy for no reason. Yeah, something behind the scenes. And, and you know, I, I was thinking about this today because in regards to Mike McCarthy, it's going to be interesting to see the more that you hear, at least right now, it sounds more and more like Sean Payton's going to just stay at Fox and may not take a job this coaching cycle. Can I tell you something, bro? Real mm. quick. Just real, just real talk, dog. I don't understand. I mean, okay, outside of ego and shit, and maybe some love. If somebody's basically going to pay you just as much to spend one Sunday a week for 20 weeks talking with your boys, basically, because they seem to have a good time doing that show, uh, football, and they're going to pay you, pick a number, man, $10, $11 million a year. Or you can go coach $10, 11 $12 million a year. Dude, I don't know who's not picking TV, bro. Yeah, I don't know why. It, it, other than if it's just like you said, a total ego, like legacy thing or something. I have no clue. I mean, I look at Jimmy Johnson. That's why he never went. Yeah. Back. I mean, why? I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Okay, yeah, TV. I, I'm not saying I've done it at that level, but TV got some little quirky shit to it. But every job does. But dog, you show up, and that show really appears to be having fun. They're not quite TNT. Uh, basketball, but they appear to have a good time when they're doing it. And if you're doing TV with people that you like and it's fun, man, dude, all you're doing is carrying your conversations in the green room onto the set. Yeah. <laughs> and they're paying, and you're all going, dude, can you believe they're paying us $12, $13 million a year for this shit? Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. I wonder that, too. And, and it, like, I never thought the Cowboys would move on from McCarthy this year. I, I didn't think that was made no sense. ever ever in the cards. I do think it's little, depending on how next season plays out. I, it wouldn't surprise me if there is a move to be made at the end of next season. After you go look, it was it, we've given you four years, and you still haven't taken us over the hump. Especially if they right. are to fall off, because I mean, like, I don't know that anybody thought this would be a twelve and five team this year. I mean, hell, I was even positive, and I thought they were eleven and six or ten and seven, and would make a wild card. Right. But, but twelve and five and winning a playoff game, you know, you kind of wonder. Okay, well, what if they what if they're ten and seven next year, and they somehow sneak in as a wild card and then either lose in the wild card or lose in the divisional round again? Do they look at it and go, okay, it's not right, you? Right. And then they get all horny about Sean Payton again. And and I, I mean, that is such speculation, and it's so far down the road. But I always thought McCarthy would get at least this fourth year to figure out. Because again, I mean, what if what if they go twelve and five again? And losing the divisional round. And you're looking at this guy going, okay, that's three straight seasons. You're one of the best regular season teams. Three 12-win seasons, three playoff trips in a row, but we're still not getting where we need to go. Right. That'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. Some, uh, you know, I've gone back and forth since the season over, but, you know, there's a lot of hard questions that need to be asked about it, about the season and why it ended up the way it ended up. And the hardest questions are, 
how do you move on from people who've been successful? And whether it's Zeke, who's been successful, who's at the end of his career. Uh, you know, some other players, Dalton Schultz, he's been good. But you're like, I know he's good, but he's not worth a, you know, $12 million a year over five years with, you know, three-fourths of that guaranteed. Uh, or a guy like Kellen Moore where you go, can we, can we, we're good. We're really good. Can we get great? Or can this guy take Dak from a uh, from a top ten to twelve quarterback, or I'm gonna say a top ten quarterback? Can he take him from top ten to top seven? Because if he's top seven, and we add a little bit, that's probably enough to get us a win. If he stays with Kellen, is he gonna go from ten to nine? Is he gonna go from ten to twelve? I mean, those are all the conversations you gotta have, and sometimes you just gotta be like, "Damn, we are pulling the trigger like a mofo, man!" But you know, let's see if we can make it work. Now, here's something, Matt. ESPN, the company, does this all the time. I mean, they have shows that are doing well, doing great, and they go, oh, let's blow them up and see if we can do it better. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, at, at some point, you, you, you have to make that decision if you can get over this hump or not. I, we shall see. The other thing I wanted to throw out, because I was curious to see your thoughts on this, and look, mock drafts, especially at this point, should be taken with a grain of salt because we haven't even gotten into the franchise tagging period yet and all this. But I did find it interesting that Mel Kuyper Jr., and I will also say this about Mel Kuyper Jr., a couple years ago, he projected the Cowboys taking a safety in the first round, and we were all like, okay, that doesn't make any sense because the Cowboys don't draft safeties in the first round. We're all well, like, that's not happening. But he has the Cowboys with the 27th pick taking Bijan Robinson, the running back out of Texas in the first round. And I think it's interesting because you look at this, if they're going to move on from Zeke, and would they potentially think that a running back like that, who if you're, if you're drafting a guy 27th this year, his contract would probably be in the $13 million range. But you're getting him for four years plus the fifth-year option versus tagging Tony Pollard at $10 million a year for one season. Nah, bro, if I, if I were Dallas, given that choice, I would say I wouldn't do that. I, would, like, I wouldn't have Bijan and Pollard both on my roster because the game, ain't really, the game is not about running the ball at that level. I'd rather have Pollard and go at a receiver uh, because Bijan – as good as he is, how good is he going to be good? As Even if he's an outlier, yeah, he's going to be good for eight years. And John Owning made a good point today. That's our friend from uh, who's not a pro football focus. Yep. Uh, and the point was, why would you ever draft? But it's two thoughts to it. Why would you ever draft a player that you don't intend to give a second contract to? So, like, you draft a running back, especially Bijan. What did he play? Three years. Had a bunch of carries. Yep. So. He's 22. He gets out. He's 27 by the time his deal is over with. And you're not going to give him another one because then he takes him into 31. But, you know, you can also go, we go four, and then we franchise him once. So we get the first five, and then we'll know whether he's a guy who's going to be an Emmitt Smith outlier or whether he's a classic running back. Now, my point is, I just as soon have a receiver who I know pretty much you're going to get two deals out of if you take him in the first round. Yeah, and it's interesting. And you're spreading – I'm sorry, man. And you're spreading out the offense. Like, you can have two or three or four good receivers, and they can all play 65 snaps. 
if you have two good running backs, they're not playing 65 snaps apiece. One's playing 65, and one's playing, you know, 35 or 30. Yeah. One of the cats got to play special teams. Yeah, and, and that's where, like, I saw that, and I was kind of of that vibe. But then you think about it, like, are, are we all convinced? And see, that's the thing. Like, with Tony Pollard, you can just franchise tag the guy. And then, you, right. to me, you, you draft a running back, like, in the third round where we have seen different, I mean, again, Tony Pollard was a fourth round guy. Maybe you go fourth round running back and you find a guy who can kind of come in and be the next Tony Pollard. And then you franchise tag Pollard this year. If you wanted to, you could tag him again after a second year and then just be done with the guy. But yeah, that's the thing. 23 million. Yeah. And and like for Bijan, he had 599 touches in college. Zeke came out of college with 650 touches. That's really only, I mean, that ain't much difference. Right. right. And, and that's the thing of with a guy that was used like that, do you really want to invest a first-round pick in a position in which you know, unless you are the rare treat or unless you're a Derrick Henry who barely touches the ball in his first two seasons, once you hit 27 as a running back, unless you're a Hall of Famer, you start to decline pretty damn quickly, and we've seen that with Zeke Elliott. Yes. So, I mean, I think that's why the answer is no. See, and that's kind of like I saw when he said that, I was like, man, I just don't see the Cowboys doing that unless for whatever reason it's some money-saving deal where they feel, well, we can get five years out of this dude for a little bit more than one year out of Tony Pollard. Right. But I'd rather tag, right. like, like my, my thing would be tag Pollard, draft a receiver in the first round. I know they have needs and they need a second cornerback, and I get that. But part of me is like, in, in this day and age of the NFL – you can have a really good defense, as we saw the Cowboys. If you don't have playmakers in offense, I don't know that it matters. Uh, I'll buy that. I it, mean, the game's about you got to you got to play defense, but the game is really about offense. And that's the thing. I mean, you look at because the 49ers have a really good defense, but they've got playmakers on offense, and the Cowboys have a good defense. They have a really good defense, but they didn't have enough playmakers on offense. And I just kind of wonder. Is it worth investing more of your draft capital this year, trying to reload on offense with this, going to get another dynamic running back, a la the Tony Pollard type, getting another big name, not a big name, but just a, a, a big-time wide receiver, hoping that Michael Gallup, now a full year and change, recovered. People forget this. Michael Gallup didn't have surgery on his ACL until February last year. He's still not even a year into his recovery. Oh, that's, that's actually a great point. Because it still it hadn't been a year, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it was February. I, I forget the exact date, but I know it was in February. And so that's the thing. Like we're still not a year into Michael Gallup's recovery, which again, circling all the way back to who do you want to point fingers at the most for this season? Yeah, Dak. Okay, I get it. I'm still pointing him at the front office, going, "What are you guys doing?" Where you get rid of Amari Cooper, and you knew that your number two wide receiver was a guy who would probably be recovering most of the year from his ACL. Yeah. And you're hoping that a third-round pick can come in and be a real player. Or James Washington. Yeah, not a first-round pick, but a third-round <laughs> I mean, pick can be a real player. And so to I me, mean, it was just... It was dumb. You know, man. Yeah, it was one of the It was short-sighted. It was dumb. And, you know, I wonder if you got a little Johnny Walker Blue and Jerry, if he'd admit that it was dumb. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because I don't know how you could look at it any other way. It's one of the dumbest moves that a competitive team that believed they had a shot could possibly make. And obviously it bit them in the ass. And that's why I wonder if you were to get a wide receiver in the first round, maybe you go corner or whatever in the second round and a running back in the third round or fourth round, 
if Gallup is, because again, when the season starts next year, then Gallup will be a year and a half removed from right, his he surgery. Should be, he should be more about the guy that you thought you were getting. Right. And then you've got, you've got Lamb, Gallup, and then a potential another first round draft pick at wide receiver that gives you three dudes that you believe in at wide receiver, plus Pollard coming back and then whatever running back that you drafted that you think's got that Tony Pollard type burst or explosion that you can use. Yeah, it's just, um, there's, there, there are receivers on every street corner, literally. Your job is to find one that can take the top off the defense. Now, here's the other thing, bro. Uh, I read this somewhere, and I hadn't thought about it, but it's a really good point. It's part of me. What do we say about the Cowboys' defense? Incredibly fast, run to the ball. Incredibly fast defense. What do we say about the offense? It's not that they're incredibly fast because they're not. They need some speed on offense, man. Mm -hmm. Zeke is not fast, okay? And I'm not taking shots. I'm just going through them. Tony Pollard is fast, all right? Um, CeeDee Lamb is not fast. He's fast enough, but he ain't fast. Right. Michael Gallup is not fast. Noah Brown sure as hell ain't fast. And uh, I don't know who their fourth was this year. I'm not going to say T.Y. Hilton because – you know, he's just old. James Washington is fast, but he was just a guy. Dalton Schultz is not fast. Nope. Jake Ferguson is not fast. Peyton Hendershot is not fast. And even if they're a little faster than your normal tight ends, they're not fast. Meaning they're not going to be, uh, you know, in jo- what's his name up in Cleveland? In Jokbu? You know, oh, in Joku, going down yeah. the scene. In Joku going down the scene for yeah. 40, 50 yards. Or even uh, who was our guy? Uh, the tight end who got hurt before Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin. They're yep. not Jarwin going down the seam. Who's running four or five? So ultimately, Doc, this ain't no fast offense. This ain't got no offense where, damn, we better load up on this dude, make sure he don't bust our ass. They don't have any of that, and so uh, they need to go get some real speed, man. And that's why even if you get rid of Zeke, um, you don't need a banger. You need somebody who can make some plays. Yeah, you do, and and. That's kind of my thing, and that's, you know, they drafted Jalen Tolbert, who has speed, but obviously wasn't going to be the guy. In the, I mean, he was barely active this year. So it's cool you're fast, but if you can't do all the other things that you need to do as a wide receiver in the NFL, it doesn't matter how much speed you have. You got to catch. You got to run clean routes. You got to understand the offense. Who knows what his problem was? But that's why it'll be really interesting to see what they decide to do, because I agree with you. You need a dude who can burn who can fly down the field. And there'll be some speed options at wide receiver where they're drafting in the first round this year. We'll see where they go. It is interesting to note, because you're like, well, who would be the next guy at wide receiver? So the Cowboys, this isn't catches, this is targets. The Cowboys had five players with over 50, well, with over 23 targets this year, five players. One of those was Tony Pollard. The other four players that had over 55 targets CeeDee Lamb, who had 156, Dalton Schultz had 89, Noah Brown had 74, and Michael Gallup had 74. So then you bring in the running backs. Well, your next receiving targets were Ferguson and Hendershot. No other receiver on the team had more than 10 targets this season. So to me, like when you look at that, if that's not the roster screaming at you that you need some help, well, I, I don't know what is. Yeah, I think some of that is I'm not sure how much he trusted other guys to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there. Um, and that's the biggest thing for a, for a quarterback. You got to have trust, man. But second thing, dog, they just didn't have a lot of playmakers. 
uh, I told you I was going to look this up. So Pollard had uh, 34 big, what I term big plays. That's runs over 10 yards and passes over 20. 34 of those. You can imagine CeeDee Lamb was second with 26. 24 of them were receptions. You can pretty much figure out who was third. Zeke, right? You know, Zeke had 17 runs of 10 yards or more. It's not great, but it's not awful. But I compared that with a few years ago. He had like 40-something, and then it's awful. But who do you think was next on his team in terms of big plays, bro? So Zeke is third at 18. Who's next? And remember, I'm sorry. We're talking big plays are it's really on receivers from here on out. 20 yards or more. Who is? Yeah, so, you know, out of Gallup, Brown, Ferguson, Schultz, Hendershot. I'm going to go with Schultz. Okay, and what do you think his number was? Eight. All right, that's a, that's a quality guess. You know, I tell my students that a lot. I go, you're not right, but that's a quality guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. So, they go from Zeke at 18. Okay, remember, this is we're talking big plays. Right. And how do you score? You score through big plays. Really, we're talking 20 or more, but for the purpose of a, this discussion, running back, a 10-yard run, or a 20-yard pass is a big play reception. Same for uh, receivers. 10-yard run, 20-yard pass reception. Once again, Tony Pollard led the team with 34 of those plays. CeeDee Lamb is next with 26. None of that doesn't surprise you. Zeke at 18 doesn't surprise you. The next highest guy, drum roll please, Noah Brown with six. Man. Your boy Dalton Schultz, he had uh, five. Okay. All right. Followed by Michael Gallup had four. And uh, Jake Ferguson had three. Michael Gallup and Jake Ferguson should never be that close. And Peyton Hendershot had two. No, and and I think that's probably kind of what some of the problem is, is the fact that Noah Brown had 74 targets this year. Like, like Noah Brown had to be that involved in your offense. And, and not that he's some crappy player, but I, I, I don't know that you want Noah Brown to be the tied for third in targets on your offense. No, you don't. You absolutely don't. And he ain't supposed to be that guy. And you shouldn't put him in a position where what, Matt? He is that guy. It just shouldn't happen. Nope. Um, but that's, I mean, but that's, that's what, what they did. Happen. Yeah, I mean, they. But it, it shouldn't have happened, man, because you're taking, you're putting a guy in a role he shouldn't be in, and then wondering why he didn't perform. You're exactly right. Uh, uh, okay, we're gonna put our, we're gonna put our lumbering seven foot two uh, guy who usually plays the post. We're gonna put him at point guard and watch him run the offense. And then, like, why did we have twenty seven turnovers and only four assists today? Well, gosh, I don't know, man. Maybe it's because you let George play point guard, trying to move a point. <laughs> it's true, though. That's exactly right. No, it's, it's true, man. And um, so they've got to get more. You know, what I should do and what I will do, uh, you know, I did this on Spur of the Moment because we were talking about it. I'll go back a few years and just I'll look at some years and just see, like, what the number usually is. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's the leader normally – 45 and then next second place has been like 38 and then like we'll you know what man we'll just um i'll go look see this is how me and matt talk about stuff on the fly 
like I just decided we should only look at teams comparable. So we'll look at like the the offense from last year and like the 2014 offense and maybe the 2016 offense. Right. Those playmakers and see, you know, kind of how kind of how it worked itself out. Yeah, makes sense. Also makes sense for you to put it in order at Bruce Biltong. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. It's Bruce Biltong. It's like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's actually a traditional South African air-dried meat. And I will tell you this because I eat it all the time. It is better. Once you have this, once you try Biltong, you are never, ever going back to beef jerky. You never will. No, man. I was looking for something in my backpack if you hear a lot of stuff going on. probably looking for some Biltong. How did you know, Doc? Because it's probably snack time for you, and you're like, I want a healthy snack with no sugar, no artificial ingredients, and a high-protein alternative, Biltong. Matt knows me because I usually start the show when I'm eating something. Yeah, I do. That's how I know it's time to do the podcast because you're eating. chastised for it. (laughs) <laughs> but yes, I'm always searching for some biltong in my bag, man. It's it's uh, it's butt strips. That's the part of the animal where they snatch it from, and then they cut it into strips. It's delicious. Uh, we like the slab because you can kind of chop it as you want it. Uh, the, the sliced biltong is awful. Is also to die for, and so um, to me, biltong's where it's at. Get some, eat some. Thank us later. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I really think you guys will enjoy it. So jump online at bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Use the promo code JAM15 when you get to checkout, and they'll give you 15% off your order. So grab some today and keep supporting them because Steve Isaac's the guy who started all this. Again, this is a dude. He used to be a rocket scientist, and he ended up – he quit his job as a rocket scientist – to start this company out of his own garage and he has slowly been building it and building it and that's what it's about man it's good stuff so support him as he supports us also of course jr freeway tire shop we've been telling you about him forever man and if you haven't experienced yet if somehow you still have not experienced the wonders of freeway tire shop you need to get over there because it'll blow your mind for a couple of reasons one you can 100 percent trust what he's doing and two The customer service is on a level that I don't believe any other mechanic in America offers you the level of customer service you get at Freeway Tire Shop. Now, the reason I tell you all to go ride with JR, man, is because he takes care of you as a customer. Um, He he diagnoses the problem, and, you know, I trust him to do that because that's a big deal. Um, You can trust him to fix whatever your problem is with quality parts. You can trust him to charge you a fair price. And, man, you can trust him to stand behind his work. That's what I love. All of those, all of them equally, because that's what makes a quality mechanic. And if your mechanic ain't doing all four of those things, go holler at my boy JR. He's five minutes north of downtown, right up 35. You get off at Commonwealth, go through the light. He's on the right. You cannot miss him. You tell him your boys from Jam Session sent you. He's liable to greet you with a hug and a kiss on the cheek and be ready to talk Cowboys. <laughs> there you go. So before make, he fixes your car. There you go. Make it happen. Go check them out. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can find them online if you want more info. Schedule an appointment. Request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So we got to take a quick trip around the block here. And we, we do this from time to time, the lady and I. Yes. Whenever the Oscars announced their nominations, and those came out last week, I guess it was, or maybe it was this week. I can't remember. Actually, yeah, it was earlier this week. They announced the, the Oscar nominations. So we'll take right. the, the 10 that they nominate for Best Picture. And we'll try to watch as many of them as possible. 
<laughs> yeah, respect. Because yeah, you know, I'm always interested. I'm like, okay, well, what makes these the best pictures? Like, what what is it about this? And sometimes it'll be, you know, ones that I've already seen that I was really into that I very much wanted to see. And I will say, I thought it was awesome this year that Top Gun Maverick is nominated for Best Picture. It's not going to win. Everybody everybody seems to think it was great. But man, the fact that they nominated a big budget action movie like that for Best Picture is fantastic. So Top Gun Maverick has been nominated. The All Quiet on the Western Front on Netflix is nominated. And I watched that. It's very, very intense. It's a phenomenal war movie, but very intense about World War I. Elvis was nominated and that was fantastic it's a biopic about elvis obviously so those were the three that we had seen and then avatar the way of water uh, there's a couple of others but the other ones that have been nominated are women talking which is based on some book i was gonna say what is that about it's i i don't know i it's not available for rent because i looked i wanted to watch a trailer so i don't know everything everywhere all at once that i'll get to in a minute the banshees of inishirin which is some Irish movie that apparently it won the Golden Globe for best comedy. And apparently it's a dry comedy about two friends that were best friends all their lives and then decided to stop liking each other or something. It looks really weird. The Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, which is the Steven Spielberg movie that's basically about his life. And then Tar, which is a movie about a fictional composer starring Kate Blanchett. So we were trying to watch a couple of these. So already this week we watched Triangle of Sadness, which won whatever the the top award at the Cannes Film Festival is, it won that this year and received an eight minute standing ovation. Well, back in twenty twenty two, eight minutes. Yeah, it's it was nominated for best picture, best original screenplay, and best director. It is a satirical dark comedy making fun of really wealthy people. <laughs> Who doesn't like that? It is. It's weird, man. It is a. It's very dry. Because it's not like it's not obvious comedy. It's not like slapstick or like you got to realize that they are. It's a satire about the wealthy. And it starts with a model couple, like literally the the woman is a model and the guy is a model and how they bicker about different things. And she's an influencer on social media and taking pictures of like in one scene, for instance, she's taking picture like she's about to eat this pasta and then right. he takes like five pictures of her and she finally says, okay, that one's good. And she pushes the bowl of pasta out of the way. And some guy at the table goes, aren't you going to eat that pasta? And she goes, oh no, I'm gluten free. Right, right, right. But the whole idea of like, oh, but you want people to see you acting like you're about to eat it. Like, you know, like little things like that. So they all go aboard this luxury yacht and then chaos ensues. And like the way that it had, like it's, it's probably 30 minutes too long because it's two hours and 20 minutes. Right, right, right. And man, I kept like when we were watching, I was like, dude, if they had, if they had shaved twenty five to thirty minutes off this, this would be way better. Sometimes you got to do that, man. But you know, your ego of your director and all that doesn't allow you to do that all the time. Yeah, it was just a, it was a, like it got to a point. I was like, okay, like I like we get it, we understand I've it. Seen like, enough jokes, yeah. One less joke in every scene. Yeah, like let's wrap it up. And some of the scenes just went too long with what they were doing. I was like, okay, whatever. But I will tell you this. I will give the highest praise that I can give to everything, everywhere, all at once. It is one of wow. the most creative, well-written movies I've ever seen. Really? It is 
And I, I'll tell you, I, I bet this goes one of two ways. You either see this and it blows your mind and you, it's just incredible or you go, what the hell was that? <laughs> so Everything Everywhere All at Once is a movie. It's been nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, two nominations for Best Supporting Actress. It's legit, man. I mean, I, I watched it and like at first I'm like, okay, let's get into this. And then once it got going, I'm like, my God, this is genius. Like this to me, it's one of the most genius, creative, brilliant movies I've ever seen. It's because no one's okay, ever done me, a movie like this. Okay. Give me an example of what makes it like that. 100% original. Like, like the concept is the multiverse. And it's if you've ever seen any of the Doctor Strange movies where they're jumping around the different universes in a sense, right? It's that, but not Marvel. It's real. It's more realistic. And so it's this, it's this whole thing where this one Asian family that owns a laundromat is just going about their business, and then her husband all of a sudden like she's like, "What's wrong with you?" And he goes, "Look, I know that you think I'm your husband, and I am, but I'm your husband from a different universe. I don't have much time to explain." And he tries to break down what's going on. She's like, "What are you talking about? Get away from me!" He's like, "No, no, you have to listen to me. Like all the infinite possibilities that could ever possibly happen happen, and the universe that I'm in is the first universe that figured out how to jump to different universes, and I'm here to warn you about what's happening." And it's, it, I mean, it, it's all about parallel universes in the multi-universe in the whole idea. Like he explains to her, basically, every time you make a decision in life, a new universe sprouts off of that decision of what would have happened if you had done the other thing. Okay. Wow. And so he's like, there's infinite possibilities. And so this dude is in a universe where they figured out like in his universe on, in his realm they figured out how to tap into the human mind and use that to travel across different universes to different versions of yourself. And it goes down the rabbit hole on this and she ends up jumping. They call it verse jumping for, you know, universe jumping. So right. she ends up verse jumping to a variety of different versions of herself in, in different universes to use information from all over. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's just... And it's so deep and it, it, there's just so much in it. So incredibly well done. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if it'll win what's Best the, Picture. Uh, it should. What's the name of it again? It's called Everything Everywhere All at Once. All right. It is. I mean, pretty wicked. Dude, it was. It blew my mind. I mean, it's right up my alley. It, it's incredibly well written. Very well acted. Michelle Yao, who plays the main character, she's won all the awards leading up to this, and, and they think she's going to get Best Actress. The guy who is nominated for Best Supporting Actor is the, is the guy who... Do you remember Indiana Jones, obviously, when it came out in the 80s? I mean, I do, but I don't. Okay, do you remember the little Asian dude that followed him around named Short Round? Vaguely. That, that kid is now... He grew up, and the actor is in this movie... He hadn't done anything. He was in Goonies, and he was in the the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, see, I think I remember him from Goonies. And he really hasn't done anything since then. And he, his name is Ki Hui Kwan, I believe. I'm, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Wow, sounds good, even and, if it's not. Dude, and now he is nominated for Best Supporting Actor at 51 years old. Wow. And and he's gonna win. This is a guy who wasn't in any, he was not in a movie for 16 years. Damn. Of anything. 
And now he played – it's just incredible. And then he jumps into this, and, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal in this. Because, again, like, all, like these people are all playing – different versions of themselves from different universes so the way that they talk or the way they carry themselves like in, in one universe you may be really meek and sad because of what happened to you in another universe you might be famous and very you know stoic or whatever and the way that they do these different characters that are all themselves but different because of the different universes it's fascinating damn Dude, it's, like it. it's awesome i i, I it's it should win Best Picture. I know the Fablemans is getting a lot of love, and and Spielberg will probably win another Best Director for that. But to me, and I haven't seen the Fablemans. It, it'll be out for rent hopefully soon because I'd love to see that. But man, Everything Everywhere All at Once is easily the best movie I have seen this year and probably in the last couple of years. Now here's the question. There's no judgment here, Matt. Do you believe in alternate universes? I do. Yes, hundred percent. Do you really? Yeah, for sure. Now, that begs the question, which universe you figure we're in? I don't know. And that's what I always think is interesting in these parallel universes. See, because in our minds, like, we always want to put, like, a gate or a door on infinity. Right. Because, like, even, like, oh, it goes on forever. But even in your mind, you picture an end because it's impossible to, to picture something that never ends because we don't know what that is. So, yes, if it never ends and we know that there are trillions of stars out there that are similar to our own sun then it would lead to the idea that there's probably other intelligent life. That's in our universe, in our known, in our act, just this universe. Right. So would it not also be parallel if there were endless possibilities infinitely in all directions in universes that we do not have access to? Yeah, probably so. Like I used to think, and I thought about this, that maybe I should write a movie because I think that deja vu could be like when you think you've experienced something before i often right. wondered what if that's you and your other self in another dimension or another universe that are experiencing the exact same thing at the exact same time so you think that you're reliving it when two of you are living it and then you go it ends because you branched off and went to whatever your reality is now here's the deal i have deja vu at an incredible to me rate there you go like i have them all the time yeah and they trip me out. They get to the point where, when I say I have them all the time, I mean probably two or three times a month. Uh, now, maybe some people's like, oh, no, that's nothing, dude. I have them once a week. Or I have them every other day. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and so that's why I'm always like, that's incredible that I've relived this and I experienced it and I'm remembering it. So it makes me think that there is some other universe over there. I would not be surprised at all. And, and this movie really explores that that realm it's it's just it's really really well done and again i haven't seen the other ones i haven't seen women talking the banshees i'd like to check out it looks really weird and then tar which we we may watch that later tonight because she wanted to watch that last night and that's one with kate blanchett that looks a little bit more real and dark right but kate blanchett it's either she's gotten a lot of hype and she's nominated for best actress again i mean she's won two oscars already so I don't know. It'd be interesting, but I always enjoy checking these out because sometimes it'll be a movie that you normally would never watch. And I'm always curious, okay, well, what makes this getting, and usually if it's nominated for best picture and best screenplay, then I like to watch it. Cause I like movies that are really well written. Okay. Now I got to ask you is cause you're the movie guy. What's the difference between best movie and best screenplay? Well, best picture is all of it like incorporated and in, in best like original screenplay is just the, the, the actual 
play written for the screen, like the script of the movie. Okay. And so you could read it and, you know, there are screenplays that you could read that, you know, a movie's written really well. Maybe it didn't have the production value or the cinematography or what have you that didn't right. make it a great movie, you know, and, and then there's been some that a lot of best picture, like you wouldn't sit here and say Top Gun while a great movie. I wouldn't sit here and say, man, that had some great kick-ass dialogue and was written really well. You know what I mean? Okay, I got you. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so I don't know, but... Yeah, there you have it. That's just kind of what we've been watching lately. Going yeah. through some movies. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, man, because, you know, we ran through all of our shows. Oh, you know, speaking of that, I saw something last night, and I was like, I may be positively giddy. Really? Uh, I saw it, and I didn't double check it. I saw it, and I said, is this real? And I didn't do any double checking, so somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But I thought I saw on Netflix the other day that there was a new season of Fauda coming back. Or Fada. Have you ever? Did you ever see that? Did we talk no, about that? No, what is that? How do you spell that? F-A-U-D-A. So I might not be pronouncing it right. Yeah, who knows how to say that? Oh, okay. It's, like a, it's a Netflix show, but it's like... Oh, I remember you telling me about this. I, okay, yeah. It's like they're in the Middle East, and some dude's like a spy... Or, you know, I, don't, I can't remember. But I just know Kalashaw told Calvin Watkins about it. Watkins told me. And I turned it on and I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it was really terrific. It was the same kind of show I like. A lot of intrigue, a lot of intensity, a lot of people you think, oh, he's the main character, so he should be around for a minute. And pop, he's gone. Interesting. And because it was the Middle East, they also had that, diet, that, that part about the women. You know, some woman's trying to do some liberal stuff and yeah. she's, you know, she can't have a phone and she's trying to get her, get away to the United States. And, you know, so she's got to steal her husband's phone when he's not around because wow. she doesn't have access. So it's a, it's a lot of moving parts. But it, but the the intensity and the uh, the intrigue was uh, was what got me. All right. Well. There's a, you know, again, we are in the golden age for it all, man. There's some good movies and there is some phenomenal television that's out there. I mean, I, I told, I was telling her the other day, I was like, we need to make a list of all the shows we watch so we won't forget to go back when new seasons come out and, and we don't miss anything. How about that? Because <laughs> there's just so many of them on all these different services where it's like, okay, well, this, this episode comes out here and then this episode, like season two of Your Honor with Brian Cranston is out. Oh, is it? Time yeah. to get that free showtime for a month? Yeah, but they're only releasing one episode a week, so we're waiting on that. All right, I'll be waiting with you. Because, I'll, I mean, God, we, what, we started doing, oh, we, we checked in The Last of Us. We, we, we got, we're in season two of The Mayor of Kingstown. I mean, it's show after show where you're just hopping around like, okay, what's next? What show is this? I mean, it's incredible. Really? Just be known, they're not coming to get me. I'm innocent. All right, fair enough. As everybody hears that in the background. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, we wonder about you, man. You're like, oh, what do you do where cops are always coming to your house? Nah, nah, nah. And it's not even that. And, and check this out, Matt. It's not even that I live in a bad place. I live right across the street from a golf course. That's true. You do. <laughs> that, that is a nice course over by where you live. <laughs> yeah. But so. for all we know, the mob uses it as some sort of money laundering course. <laughs> if that's true, I was joking. Please don't come after me. Yeah, that's just I have a no joke. Idea what he's talking about? Just a joke. Yeah. So remember that. Yeah. 
All right, a couple of things to get into before we wrap it up, but let's tell you about our friends over there at HFX Foundation Solutions. A big part of why we get to do the podcast is from our great sponsors, and Aaron has been sponsoring us since the beginning, man. He's a big reason why we keep getting to do this. HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company. They, Wherever you are in the DFW area, they can get you taken care of. They specialize in slab. They do pier and beam foundation repair. They can handle all your drainage issues, your gutters and your gutter installations and all that. So if you start seeing signs that your home may have an issue, you need to give them a call, whether it's soil washout, cracks, sticking doors, pick up the phone, give Aaron and his crews a call. They'll come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection, and they'll get you taken care of. Nah, man, we tell y'all all the time, get a colonoscopy for your crib. It'll give you peace of mind. I mean, why does any of us get a colonoscopy? It ain't because it's enjoyable. It's because it gives you peace of mind as your body's operating functionally in the places where you can't see. Same thing about your crib. Yeah, you're enjoying your crib, but we all know there could be some things going on internally at your house that you have no idea until it's way too late. You're right. Well, Aaron and his crew come over. They give your crib a colonoscopy, and they tell you, hey, your crib is 100% cool, relaxed, have some peace of mind, pop a bottle. Or they say, hey, we found a little something. Chances are they did find it early, and so it'll cost you a fraction of if they find it late. But they found it. Now we can get it straight. We can fix it, and it's all good. So give Aaron and his team a call and let them know how they can help you. It's easy to do, man. You got the number, 817-770-0174. Or jump online. Find out more information if you'd like at hfxfoundation.com. So as we move on, I'm curious if you make anything of this at all. And by the time some of you listen to this, we may already know the answer. But as we are recording this podcast, Mike McCarthy is giving his season-ending press conference. He has declined, and this is according to Todd Archer and Mashoda and Ed Werder and go down the list of your Cowboys reporters. He has declined several opportunities in the news conference to commit to Kellen Moore returning even if he's not hired elsewhere, the two bro, he says that apparently they spoke briefly today. They will speak again tomorrow, but McCarthy basically just keeps repeating Kellen Moore will be evaluated. And when he's been pressed about it, well, will he be back? He, ha- he won't say that he's coming back. Sound like he ain't coming back, dude. That's really- <laughs> Isn't that nuts, though? I mean, that's, that's very interesting. It's, um, you know, it's classic Cowboys bullshit because check this out, man. From a PR standpoint, check this out. Now, let me make sure I'm clear because I've been on this podcast with you. He apparently said they're going to meet when? Tomorrow? Apparently, yes. That's what everybody is saying that. Okay, so check this out, though. If you really wanted to stop it, what would you do? When you met tomorrow, you, you, whether you meet morning, noon, or night, if you meet in the morning, you can have your press conference in the afternoon, and guess what you can do? Hey, we decided to go a separate way. Blah 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 blah. Now you know what you do. now you know what you're setting up to do, man. Now you will see if it's correct because we're going to talk about it today, and whatever's going to happen will happen for the next podcast. Probably what happens is you had this conversation today with the media. Your end of the year press conference. You go meet with Kellen tomorrow. You decide to go in a different direction. And now what do you put out, Matt? An easy press release, letting it be known. You put out a paragraph, Mm -hmm. statement about, oh, what Kellen has done, 
how good how good he's been. You have a statement from Dak. Oh, I love Kellen's time here. Wish him well. He's the best. But what don't you have to do? Answer questions. Answer questions. <laughs> yeah, this is just really interesting, man, because apparently Chill yeah. says, asked again about Kellen Moore. McCarthy said, I don't want to play this game. Kellen Moore will be evaluated. See, he would just have to be mad today because it'd be like, what game? Or what's the evaluation? Y'all ain't never even, I mean, and, you know, because the problem is we asked you about this last year. You didn't say he had to be evaluated. Yeah. <laughs> he was coming back. I mean, it's like when we used to ask about Des Bryant. Well, we make a decision at that, you know, right, right after the draft. Right, right. When I asked you about Zach Martin, you ain't got to make no decision right after the draft. So, you know, the next question, let me tell y'all how they played it. And I'm not saying I'm the end-all, be-all. But somebody should ask what, Matt? Hey, is Dan Quinn coming back? Yeah, and apparently, so he was asked about Dan Quinn. See, I know my reporters, dog. Yeah, you do. You do know about your reporters. He was asked about Dan Quinn. I was trying to find what he had to say. He said he had a conversation today with Dan Quinn to have a clear sense of his situation relative to pursuit of other head coaching positions. McCarthy says he's comfortable with the situation there, whatever happens. Yeah, so he come back. It's all good. I mean, that so is. If he so yeah. if he doesn't get a job, he'll be back as your defensive coordinator. Uh, yes, that that's the case. Okay, <laughs> so you just answered the question. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, this is, man, I wonder if, I, well, you know what? And we had talked about this before. I wonder, McCarthy's not an idiot. I wonder if he knows I've got another year to do something with this where I'm out. Okay. Now let me tell you a story. It's not even a story. Um, well, no, it is a story. I ain't going to tell you the whole story. You got to, you got to read the book to get the whole story. Okay. But you know, Deion Sanders, cause I, I for those of you who don't know, I'm writing a book on Deion Sanders and it's 2022 season. It's called, uh, Oh, did I tell you the title, Matt? I can't remember. Yeah. You but, told us. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'm writing this book, and Dion is a—he's an interesting coach because he's a CEO coach, which means he lets you run whatever offense you want to run, Matt. But he's also a control freak. And I asked him one time. I said, "Dog, when did you become this this control guy, where you have to have your hands on everything?" And he told me the story of a time he got beat for a touchdown as a rookie. Doing it the way, playing defense the way the coach wanted him to play. And he said, when that happened, I walked off the field and I passed the guy who was celebrating the touchdown. I said, you didn't get me, but you got one. And the guy was like, no, I got you. He's like, no, you didn't get me, but you got one. You deserve that. You got one. And he went to the bench and he told the coach or the coordinator, I ain't never doing that again. I'm playing the way I want to play from here on out. So if I get beat, I could be okay with it. Because y'all just got me beat. I didn't get beat. Y'all just got me beat. So let's bring it full circle. As Matt said, Mike McCarthy might be going, okay, I got back-to-back 12 win seasons. I went 1-1 after going 0-1. Next year is probably my year to break through or I'm going to have to get up out of here. So if that's what's going down, I'm going to go down my way. Either it's me calling the plays and my offense, or it's somebody else calling an offense that I want. And that may be why why Jerry said, okay, you can do that, man, but you got to get rid of this dude. 
uh, who's just around here collecting checks. He said, fine, I'm going to do yeah. that. Well, you got to get rid of Kellen. There's trades that people make all the time. And so it seems to me, based on what we're hearing today, uh, now I chastised a friend of mine the other day, and I'm probably going to have to call him back and apologize. Uh, and we talked about it earlier. Like, there, you know, when you have disappointment, somebody's a fall guy. Yeah. And if it's not going to be the GM, it's not going to be the coach. It's certainly not going to be the defensive coordinator because they were really good. And their last, their last, our last impression of them was, man, y'all couldn't really done too much else. At least only one guy, bro. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it don't matter how productive they've been. Somebody got to pay the price for this disappointment. Yeah, that is, it, it, it's interesting because in, in, I remember when McCarthy first got hired, now going back three seasons ago, you know, he had always said, I mean, I, I, we talked about this on our radio show, talking about this whole idea that he, he had learned in Green Bay that he needs to be the one calling the plays and that if he got another shot, he would not let somebody else call the plays. And remember, that was a thing when he got hired at his hiring press conference. He was asked about that and stuff and seemed to have no problem with it. And you do kind of wonder if now he's like, to your point, all right, this this isn't going the way I wanted it to go, and I'm not going to lose another playoff game if I'm not the one calling the plays. Yeah, I mean, it could have actually we'll been see. that in the sense of, in the sense of, you know, our offense sucked last year against San Francisco in the playoffs. Our offense sucked this yeah. year against San Francisco in the playoffs. I'm going to assume Kyle Shanahan and San Francisco aren't going anywhere, just like I'm going to assume Philadelphia isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And so we're going to have to deal with Jalen Hurts running, and we're going to have to deal with San Francisco and their defense. And, you know, we just got to deal with it. And one of the ways he may have decided to deal with it is uh, a different offensive approach. It could be. And, of course, the next time that we get together to record a podcast, I would imagine that we will know for sure what the deal is with Kellen Moore. But those are the reports coming out of the star right now as we record this on Thursday afternoon and McCarthy is at that press conference facing all these questions. So the other thing to take a look at, the conference title games coming up this weekend, of course. You got San Francisco on the road in Philadelphia where Jalen Hurts, we now know, is one of the finalists for league MVP and offensive player of the year. Philadelphia, really, I think most would imagine these are probably the two best teams in the NFC. I don't know that it's a stretch to say that even coming into the playoffs. Philadelphia is slightly favored. They're at home. I was reading something today. The 49ers have not played in the Eastern time zone since week six, which is interesting. Uh. Now, that being said, it's a two o'clock kick. So in the East, even for their body clocks, it's 11 a.m. I don't know that that's that big of a deal. I don't know, man. Probably, probably not. It, it, it's interesting. It's going to be cold. It's going to be in the mid-30s. With the healthy Jalen Hurts and the weapons they have at wide receiver, Philly's got a good offensive line. I hate it because I don't want Philadelphia to go to another Super Bowl, but I, I think Philadelphia is going to the Super Bowl. I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm basically doing what, what we did last week. I'm picking Jalen Hurts over Brock Purdy. Um... I just think that it's his year. He's playing well. Um, he's got more weapons, I think. Or, I don't know, maybe they're the same on weapons. I just think he'll make more plays. 
I really think it's all about the quarterback making plays. I think he'll make plays. He's at the crib. I think it'll be a low-scoring game, though, because San Francisco can play some defense, um, and they can't afford to come back because they, I mean, I don't, I don't, we'll see. But I'm, I'm picking uh, Jalen Hurts over Brock Purdy. Yeah, it kind of comes down to that. And, and like I said, I mean, they've got the ability to make some plays. CD had a really, really good game last week. I mean, he had a fantastic game. If the Cowboys had A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, they probably win that game. Well, guess what? The Eagles do have both those guys. So I think that they'll be able to get enough done to take that one. The game on Sunday evening, Cincinnati on the road at the Chiefs, Kansas City a one-point favorite at home, mid-30s. The fifth consecutive AFC title game appearance for the Chiefs. Mahomes likely is going to win another MVP. But, man, Joe Burrow, it just seems like that dude is on a mission this year. No cap, Doug. I picked, uh, I picked the Bengals to win. Yeah. Uh, I picked the Bengals to win primarily. And, I, and when I say I picked them to win, I'm talking about in the morning news. I picked them to win because Pat Mahomes has got that almost broken ankle from last week. And I think it will affect him just enough where he won't really be able to do all the things that Pat Mahomes can do. Um, and so I just think it'll have some effect on him on him that way and will hurt him just enough to let a team like um, Cincinnati uh, win the game. Because I think Joe Burrow, you know, is playing at a very high level yeah. with incredible confidence. And, um, you know, I just – I don't know why they wouldn't uh, why they wouldn't put up a good show. And it, I think it would be a close game, but I think – I think the Burrow, Burrow gets a slight edge because your boy is hurt. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I would pick the Chiefs. Yeah, and it, it, obviously both of them had really good games when they played against each other earlier this season in a 27-24 Cincinnati win. I, I, I just, man, it's so hard to pick against Joe Burrow. It feels like that's interesting. You say it's so hard to pick about. Joe I know Burrow, it's so hard to pick against Pat Mahomes. But but they're in they're in Kansas City. I know, and they're playing the Chiefs and they're playing Pat Mahomes. I don't know what it is. I just feel like Burrow's that guy, man. I just I, he is just there's something about that guy and the fact that Chase and Higgins and and Boyd and and that everything that they throw out there offensively. You say, well, the the Chiefs are loaded with weapons. And I get it. I mean, I understand that. It's obviously, it's Pat Mahomes. But when I look at the Chiefs, it's all about Kelsey. Now, that being said, it's virtually impossible to stop Kelsey. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster had a solid season, but it really wasn't anything special. Valdez-Scantling, you know, the same thing. Hardman, it's really weird. It's, I mean, Kelsey had almost had over 1300 yards receiving and 110 catches and 12 touchdowns this year and he's been phenomenal in the playoffs yeah i mean he it's that's the thing is his ability to continue to find ways to get open and and mahomes's ability to find ways to get him the ball as crazy as it is to say this i just think the Bengals have more firepower i'm not you're not wrong i mean you're really not i think um the Bengals have the better running game. I don't think there's a whole lot of conversation about that. <clears throat> and I think that gives them an edge because they can strike some balance. And, uh, no, nah, man, I think Joe Burrow's on fire. And here's the other thing, uh, just from, from an intangible perspective, bro. They've won three straight in Arrowhead. They don't give a damn about playing in Arrowhead. Like, they, yeah. And they don't give yeah. a damn about playing the Chiefs. Like, the Chiefs don't have any – any mojo on them where oh you've got to come to our place and no they don't care 
And so much of sports, as I've told y'all over the years, it's just strictly about confidence. Do you believe? Not what you say in the media and not what you print on some t-shirts. In your heart of hearts, when it's just you by yourself, do you believe? And if you do, you go out and you play with comfort and you go win because you believe. If you don't, you know, you press and you don't play like you normally play. Yeah, I, I think we're headed towards the Philadelphia-Cincinnati Super Bowl. And I'm down for that. I will be pulling hardcore for Cincinnati. <laughs> one, I, I hate Philadelphia, but two, Cincinnati doesn't have one, and I think it'd be awesome for that city and that fan base to experience a Super Bowl championship. So I'm hoping for Cincinnati, man. Let's go, Joe. I'm, I'm 100% behind Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> All right, I ain't mad at you, man. I, I think uh, I'm just hoping for some uh, some great football. I will I will take that. I don't really care. Uh, I can I can live I can live which 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 with whichever way it goes, and I'll be cool. I, I will say this: whoever comes out of the AFC is the team I'll be pulling for in the Super Bowl because. Well, yeah, I mean, we know yeah. you hate you hate Philly. Yeah, and of all the, I might San Francisco is up there. I mean, you got to think of all the teams in the <laughs> NFC. Philly number one, and then San Francisco, Green Bay are probably tied for second as the teams I I want to see have the least success. So, I got to go with. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Giants are up there. Washington's so irrelevant that I, I completely forget about them. Yeah, they're not even in the conversation because they haven't. Yeah, but I would I would put yeah. the Giants way up there just from being a divisional rival and all that, and that whole thing that they did with Eli, and it's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> But those would, I, I would probably put, actually, I might put the Giants ahead of San Francisco and Green Bay. All right, all right. And then Green Bay and, and San Francisco tied for third. But that's what's so weird. Like, people are like, really? You don't hate Washington? Like, Washington's, Why? like, honestly, Washington's one of the most pointless franchises in sports to me. That man said a pointless franchise. They are. Jeez. I mean, think about that. That is it. What franchise in the NFL is more irrelevant than the than Washington. <laughs> At least Detroit plays every Thanksgiving day, so you got them to watch and look forward to. Damn. Well, you're not wrong, bro. I'm I mean, I can't think of one. <laughs> That's how sad that franchise is. And they've been sad for a minute, my brother. It is. It's unfortunate. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. We will be back for you with new episodes again next week, and we'll see who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl, who is going to be the Cowboys offensive coordinator. It never stops. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We'll talk to all of you very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.